0: How can AI help us to manage our mental health conditions? How do you feel about your kitchen monitoring your well-being? This may sound like it's been ripped from the pages of a science fiction script, but these kinds of tools and technologies are already being developed by researchers from a variety of backgrounds in an effort to tackle the mental health crisis that we're facing today. Mental health research has traditionally been the domain of psychologists and psychiatrists, brain people for brain problems, But there is now wide acceptance that mental health is far more holistic than that. Looking at recent research, we can see that massively diverse aspects of life impact people's mental health, from their level of access to parks, to the bacteria in their gut. So I'm setting out on a journey to explore the role of researchers and professionals from different disciplines who have found themselves working in mental health research, some of whom never even saw it coming. My name is JJ Buckle, and I am part of the Mental Health Research Matters team. Let's meet our guests.
1: Hello, my name is Amit Ayobi. I'm a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Bristol.
2: My name is Ashling Ann O'Kane. I'm a senior lecturer in human-computer interaction for health. I'm co-I on the Sphere IRC, and I'm also the deputy director of the uh, Centre for Doctoral Training in Digital Health and Care. Both of these are funded by the EPSRC.
0: Amid and Ashling are working on a project funded by the EPSRC called A Sensor Platform for Healthcare in a Residential Environment, very shrewdly shortened to Sphere. This project is working across a wide number of institutions and disciplines and is investigating unobtrusive and accurate ways of measuring long-term health conditions from right within a patient's home. Here Ashling is telling me all about it.
2: Sphere is a huge EPSRC project, an IRC that involves a community of nearly a hundred researchers, and it was really focused on this kind of explosion of long-term health conditions across the UK and worldwide. And they not only require clinical engagement but also continuous management outside of clinical settings and often within the home. So not only things like diabetes, obesity, stroke, falls, but also mental health issues as well. Together as this group of researchers, uh, we've explored aspects such as human-computer interaction, but also ethics and machine learning and visualization and uh, a, a wide range of sensing. Sphere has actually developed a number of different sensors that combine to kind of build a picture of how we live in our homes, and then this information can be used in, in different ways, for instance, to spot issues that might indicate a medical or even well-being problem.
0: Sphere is what is known as an IRC, that's an Interdisciplinary Research Collaboration, which is developing an array of sensors some of the home, some wearable things like wristbands to help patients and medical professionals monitor both conditions and interventions over longer periods of time. These sensors have a few key requirements. They should require little or no action from the patient. They should work reliably in the home setting because the home is not a hospital or a laboratory. And they should be unobtrusive. No one wants to feel like they are being spied on. These are just a few of the tricky hurdles the SPHERE team have to navigate But these sensors can be a vital tool. They're being trialled in the homes of patients right now, and they have applications in a wide range of both physical and mental health conditions.
1: So Sphere can be used in many different ways. For example, researchers used Sphere to understand the recovery of people who had hip replacements. Sphere could also be used to better understand people's mental health states and mental illnesses, such as depression, or bipolar disease in collaboration with clinicians. As part of the Sphere Project, we also look at the mental health needs of local ethnic minority communities. So mental health is determined by a wide range of socioeconomic factors and um, understanding the mental health needs of people from diverse backgrounds is very important for designing inclusive mental health technologies and also interventions, including sphere deployments.
2: Spheres sensors potentially can measure many things that are related to a person's holistic health, but also related to their mental health. For instance, sedentary behavior has been measured by spheres sensors, which can be linked to mental health and other aspects such as sleep. With the addition of a kind of human in the loop, things such as diet can also be engaged with, although there are also sensors within the kitchen that capture some cooking behaviors. But with the kind of data fusion that's happening with Sphere, you can also use these sensors to engage with changes in movement postures and uh, changes in the patterns of movement, it it can analyze eating behaviors and combining this through data fusion could give insights into aspects of mental health, whether this is learning new patterns of behavior, identifying risk factors, identifying symptoms, uh, making new predictions, and also all the way to potentially optimizing therapies and even personalizing therapies for mental health.
0: Is it fair to say that one way in which the EPS community is potentially well-placed to have direct impact on people's lives when it comes to healthcare is in the development of sensors like these and various wearable technologies, which can really help people to both manage health difficulties and evaluate interventions?
2: So I think the proliferation of commercial technology um, provides an opportunity for EPS researchers to leverage data collected by people um, who want to collect this data and be able to leverage that into not necessarily interventions, but sources of self-reflection as well. However, this could be further, I'll use the word exploited, (laughs) which is not a a great way, but to exploit this data that is already being collected in in new and innovative ways as well. There is a huge role for AI to support digital health needs, particularly around mental health and well-being. And this is, I was talking about the potential for Sphere, but there's potential beyond the house as well, especially for what we call mobile sensing. So people wearing these technologies and being able to collect data that can influence what's possible in data science, AI, machine learning.
0: Sphere is a massive project, but what grabbed my attention wasn't the size of the grant or the seniority of its associated investigators. It was the array of disciplines, institutions, fields and practices involved, which drew my eye. Whilst based in the University of Bristol's Electrical and Electronic Engineering Department, the sphere listing on the EPSRC website displays over 30 investigators from across medicine, bioscience, engineering, social science and more. And that really is just the tip of the iceberg.
2: So Sphere has about a hundred researchers attached to it. So these are engineers working on machine learning algorithms, computer scientists looking at innovations in AI. We have designers engaging with the actual design and the interaction between people and the system. But we also are working with clinicians and a variety, considering the variety of potential uses of Sphere, and also social care professionals. Not only that, Sphere has gone out of its way to really engage the public. In the design of the technologies from the very start of this project, however many years ago it was, I think it might be seven or eight years ago at this point, and there is still a strong public advisory committee that is engaged in the project and throughout the project that has really steered the vision of the sphere. And in order to make sure that is um, acceptable in people's homes, it solves real healthcare problems in cost-effective ways and it generates knowledge that will change clinical practice and also engineering design practice as well.
1: Yeah, um, I think collaborations are very important to successful research projects. And I think there's also much that we can learn from how industry practitioners collaborate, for example, as part of research and industry partnerships. For example, working at the um, SAP Innovation Center, I collaborated with engineers, product managers, visual designers. And I think there are many, many transferable best practices that can inform, for example, research projects that could be run as startups and the other way around. How startups, for example, could learn more about how to use research methods. And this is something that I also observed as part of the Machine Learning for Diabetes Project that was um, conducted in collaboration with a Quinn, a startup that focuses on innovative technologies for people living with diabetes.
2: Both of us are researchers within human-computer interaction, which is a strange corner of computer science, where the vast majority of people who work in human-computer interaction aren't computer scientists. I myself, my background's in engineering, but what I do now is uh, apply methods from anthropology and the social sciences. There's many people that have worked with with backgrounds in developmental psychology, with humanities backgrounds, with philosophy backgrounds, and whatnot. So despite computer science being seemingly quite exclusive to nerds, it's, uh, there's corners of it that are incredibly I- inclusive to a variety of people ba- bringing their different perspectives and diverse kind of outlooks on how people interact with technologies, which is incredibly useful and rich for something looking at digital health and particularly around Uh, mental health technologies and mental well-being, which has a lot of diversity of experience.
0: This interdisciplinary approach to mental health research really is vital in tackling the mental health crisis that we as a society are facing today. But truly interdisciplinary work does not stop at the doorways of universities and academic institutions. Just as important as different researchers bringing their knowledge from different disciplines to the conversation, is different sectors and organisations who can provide different skills and abilities being offered a seat at the table.
1: Um, So as part of the Sphere project, we are closely collaborating with the Norwest Media Centre. The Norwest Media Centre is an arts centre and charity that puts emphasis on community-led design approaches. We work with No West Media Center experts who have a wide range of very important skills that we as researchers do not necessarily have. For example, creative writing or visual design. So we closely worked with a creative writer and also an artist. When we co designed the visual cards that I've mentioned earlier. And that experience was very insightful and also eye opening, important these collaborations are. As researchers, we are used to write papers in academic and scientific language. But how would you go about designing? For example, visual cards or any other support tools that are designed for the general public. And working with the creative writer, it just opened my eyes for how much work it actually take to, takes to translate, for example, a academic or scientific definition of what mental health is and how to break it down into understandable chunks that people can read and understand and can use to talk with researchers to share their mental health experiences.
2: By working with the Noel West Media Centre, which is a trusted arts charity within Bristol, we were able to work with them to develop relationships with underserved communities that aren't traditionally involved in uh, this kind of technology research, And that by engaging with this charity with these skills, we're able to slowly gain trust of these communities as well in a way that isn't conducive to timelines and research projects often, especially around computer science, where you were talking earlier about novelty and innovation. We try to work quite quickly. That's not how trust builds in in communities that have been traditionally underserved, might not have a trusting relationship with. The ivory tower in, in in a city like Bristol, so that 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 is where they they were able to lead to kind of select successful collaborations with these communities that will last beyond Sphere as well. We're looking to work further with these communities and help design research programs that directly support them. Looking towards more participatory and u- user driven approaches to research.
0: It seems like what you're both saying effectively is that working kind of with various community groups and, and other academics has basically allowed you to do far more than you would have been able to do if you were just working kind of independently or as part of you know, a computer science siloed project.
2: Absolutely. Within Sphere, having the ability to engage with a variety of technical and non technical researchers, clinicians, uh, social care experts but also expertise in the arts and humanities and and community engagement has really led to quite a lot of successes, and which will go beyond the endosphere. Working in a silo within computer science or human-computer interaction, we wouldn't be able to have achieved these things.
0: These relationships, which are forged with people and organisations outside of academia, are highly important in appealing to and reaching different communities. An unfortunate truth which historically exists within mental health care and research is the exclusion or misrepresentation of different communities and the development of solutions which aren't acceptable or suitable for different groups of people. Amid leads the Sphere Project's work engaging refugee and ethnic minority communities in Bristol in its research in an effort to put real experiences of different marginalised communities at the core of its work.
1: Yeah, so... At this stage of the Sphere Project, our objective is um, to develop partnerships with um, local ethnic minority communities to better understand people's mental health needs. So the questions that uh, we need to answer are, for example, what are people's perceptions of mental health? How do people self-manage their mental health? And of course, what are people's experiences with existing mental health technologies. So we designed a set of visual cards with the No List Media Center and people from diverse ethnic backgrounds. And the visual cards, they are based on a holistic mental health concept to support both researchers and participants in understanding and sharing mental health experiences.
2: I would just like to touch on the PPI because I think aspects of Amid's work and other researchers on Sphere have gone beyond uh, just uh, patient public involvement to actually having aspects of this project being driven by them as well. So using not only kind of human-centred or user-centred design practices But user-driven design practices, co-design and participatory design, which in Sphere and beyond Sphere in mental health research has such potential, particularly with engaging groups that have been traditionally underserved by research communities as well. By not only involving them in the co-design of technologies, but in the co-design of research practices and research studies.
0: Engaging people and communities in this way is a great example of the knowledge, expertise and skill sharing, which makes interdisciplinary work so valuable. I wanted to take a step back from Sphere and hear from Aisling and Ameed about what they think the role of the EPS community in mental health research is today and as we move into the future. What can they contribute and bring to the table?
2: So the engineering and physical sciences community have the technical skills, the design skills to bring to the table for innovative and novel design of technology. And a variety of skill sets can be used for projects, but also within interdisciplinary teams. However, what we also need to be able to bring to the table is an open mind and a commitment to involve people not as patients, but as people, potential co-designers, potential co-researchers in these projects, if you're going to have an actual impact on real-world mental health practices and potential uh, positive outcomes. Because we know as human-computer interaction researchers that the, the best intentions within design teams and research teams does not always translate into Useful, usable, acceptable technologies that are actually adopted. And by bringing people to the table with lived experiences within certain health conditions, certain mental health experiences, and within our own works, lived experiences within their ethnic minority communities, that will lead to trustworthy relationships that can be ongoing research collaborations, but also lead to potential successful, acceptable, <laughs> and adopted mental health technologies and interventions.
1: Yeah, so I think what I would like to add is sharing of best practices. And I think I would like just to highlight what Aisling said regarding collaborations. So I think networking events and events that can help to meet other researchers in order to form multis- multidisciplinary collaborations is something that we need because mental health is a very holistic concept and I think it requires definitely multidisciplinary collaborations in order to leverage the potential of new advanced technologies like AI approaches and to make sure that we address the mental health needs of a wide range of people with different capacities and skills.
0: And do you think that the current systems in place, be them funding or otherwise, are set up in such a way to allow this truly interdisciplinary, novel work to occur?
2: I think that the different funding councils have in recent years, been very open with collaborating amongst each other and with charities to put out funding calls that are sensitive and well thought of um, in relation uh, to digital health generally and, and mental health. So I think there is a move and a trend towards that. There needs to be the recognition that the success of these projects, they will not come out of a siloed ivory tower. And it is very hard as researchers who hope to work directly with these communities in a way that gives equal voice than to come to a funding application. And it would be good to be able to give people a more equal voice, not only in the research practices, but also in, in, in the proposals as well.
0: What would you say to... A young data scientist or engineer, or computer scientist who wanted to apply their knowledge skills in mental health research capacity, but wasn't quite sure where to start.
2: So as part of the EPSRC, CBT and digital health and care, we do have young data scientists coming in wide eyed with, with great ideas with regards to innovation. But in the first year, and in fact, in many of their first studies, we Get them to engage in with the communities that they will be designing for. That is an incredibly important first step. And that doesn't have to be the most time-consuming um, exercise, although a lot of uh, research with human participants is. There are low costs with regards to time exercises that will potentially allow uh, people to gain a little bit more empathy for the people that they are designing for, including looking to the web because there's a huge, rich source of our online health communities. Twitter is a huge source of online health communities and people sharing. Now, that's not ev- everyone's not sharing, but you get some sort, and that's a, some sort of understanding of what's going on amongst those health communities. And that, that I would say, is a, a very good first step. But also, volunteering is a great use of time to engage with these communities and give back to those communities before you start asking them to participate in your own research. It gives gives you a a network, it gives you the the kind of terminology and the vocabulary that people use, and it gives you a sensitivity to the area.
1: Yeah, looking also beyond the field of data science. So I think data science is uh, becoming more and more exciting if combined with other disciplines for example we can clearly see a direction towards human centered machine learning approaches and explainable ai and this research trends they highlight the importance of considering also ethical implications of data work and also to develop to develop responsible data science methods
0: as we wrapped up our conversation i wanted to understand why Amid and Ashling had decided to welcome projects with mental health applications. Out of all avenues they could explore, what are the reasons that they ended up where they are today? And why is it important? So why does mental health research matter?
1: Technologies do have significant potential to support not only people in becoming fitter, happier and productive, But technologies have also great potential to address mental health stigma and support people in engaging in self-care. Like physical health, mental health is something that we all have.
2: So mental health research matters because it affects everyone. It is important for researchers not just to focus on mental illness but also well being in their research as well, because that affects people's daily quality of life. And we all deserve to have a good sense of mental well being. And there is the potential for technology to support this and potentially impact in positive ways. So I think it's a noble pursuit to be pursuing mental health research in the EPS community.
0: That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Amid and Ashling for talking to me as part of the series. Make sure to keep an eye on the Mental Health Research Matters website for future episodes on interdisciplinary work, as well as to stay up to date on activities from across the eight UKRI mental health networks. We hope to see you soon.